Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for listening to um, this episode. If this is your first time listening to an episode, welcome. If this isn't your first time, welcome back. So we have a lot to discuss um, this week. This has been a pretty cool week in wrestling with news and also with the weekly shows. So I just got your news and gossip ish and we're going to go to the weekly recap, okay? All right, so I hope you enjoy this episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. All right, so in news and gossipish, we have a lot to cover. So we're going to start with one of the most exciting things that happened this week, and that's Sasha Banks appearing in the new trailer for the Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian. So if you know or do not know, if you've, you know, if you're into Star Wars, even if you aren't into Star Wars, um, a new trailer dropped for the Emmy, for the now Emmy winning um, Disney Plus Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. And of course, you know, the people who made the, the most appearances in the trailer was, of course, the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian character played by Pedro Pascal. Um and you also had Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune, and OG actor Carl Weathers. Like, if you've seen any of the Rocky movies, he played Apollo um, Creed. And basically, it's sort of the center of the existence of the Creed movies with Michael B. Jordan as well, even though Apollo Creed um, is dead in the movies now. Um, he was in those movies as well. Well, as it turns out, the most surprising and coolest appearance throughout this entire trailer at the almost basically the beginning of the trailer was Sasha Banks and she was covered like in this black robe kind of thing and you could only tell that it was her based off of her face being shown and it was so interesting because she looked very dark and mysterious which is how we're not really used to seeing her um you know we're used to seeing her in the glam lights of wrestling and all of the above you know our champion our golden role model is growing up into the acting world you know for a time there was I believe last year there was a point when she wasn't really on Smackdown as much and a lot of people were wondering where she was like if she was actually you know working on her rap album like she said she was on TV or if there were some issues going on backstage with her or whatever but as it turns out you know she was gone because she's making a turn in Hollywood um there's lots of speculation as to what character she could be playing like I'm not the mo- the biggest Star Wars fan like I've seen all of the movies um including the prequels and stuff and I really didn't enjoy it but I'm not a, a diehard Star Wars fan like a lot of people are so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I know who she's playing or something like that but something else that I thought was really funny was that a lot of people who aren't really abrupt aren't really abreast of what's going on in wrestling as a whole thought that she was Rosario Dawson and I thought that was like y'all really like but you know she's not Rosario Dawson she's Sasha Banks and she's like our champion and in so many different areas and she's a trailblazer in wrestling so please you know if you aren't a wrestling fan and you are a Star Wars fan you know welcome to this world of wrestling you know listen here or you know just watch on television (laughs) she is amazing and 
it's so funny because during the trailer um in which she showed up there was a, a female voice talking about you know a group of mysterious warriors called the jedi and it's almost giving off the impression that she could be a jedi like who even knows but i just feel that a congratulations are in order for her i always love it when i see people who i love in wrestling sort of branch out into a new realm and god knows star wars is definitely like a world of its own in which you know you can just bite into and sink into so this is a new universe for her and i'm so excited so definitely you know if you want to check out the mandalorian i do recommend it because i have seen uh, most of the episodes and it's a pretty good show so please check it out if you um have a mind to and just or if you just want to support sasha watch the show for that too so and it's just really cool to see her acting and she and i'm gonna get into more of her act her good acting job when i talk about smackdown this week so that was cool also in um on the more gossip side we had rumors of ricochet and his contract being up and him not renewing it but what's so funny is it's like during that day in which everybody and their mama was talking about him possibly you know leaving or whatever he actually got on twitter and said that, that wasn't true so it's one of those weird moments where you see people um on dirt sheets always talking about how oh well we have a we have a source that says this person you know this person's leaving and this person's doing that and this person signed here and all of the above but it's it could be actually further furthest from the truth and it's so sad that he actually had to go on twitter and say yo like this isn't true i'm not leaving you know this is my dream and all this other stuff so it's just kind of like guys like how is it that all of these wrestling dirt sheets have a tendency to just spread all these rumors without you know getting any full-on confirmation that it's actually true like it's just so scary um and also another instance in gossipish you know that's happening is the fact that there that dirt sheets also spread the rumor that melina who is a former women's champion um in wwe was supposed to be re-signed and post and supposed to be making an appearance on raw but today on her official facebook page she released a statement saying um and i quote this makes my heart ache because i love my fans so much i want you to realize that these sites claim they know what's happening don't how many times have they falsely reported things about me and I said and said I'm returning? You can't believe them because they do not re report real or correct news. They often twist things up to get clicks. And she said and she also said in all caps, I am not signed with the WWE, but that doesn't mean it is not a possibility. My reason for this post is that it bothers me that these sites lie to fans. If I potentially get signed, don't forgive them for lying to you. I know there there are those that aren't a fan of mine but i still will care about them as i do my own fans i do not like when people lie to you and or bring your hopes up you deserve better than that you should demand better than that they think it's okay to pull these stunts because you'll still follow or click that link you should follow sites that don't treat you like you're stupid and do not lie to you it seems like a lot of wrestling wrestling news sites do that though and it's kind of sad because when I saw the initial reports that said Melina had signed with WWE, I was excited. But also, you have to take some things with a grain of salt and really like wait until I feel like this is where following the actual wrestlers um, 
social media handles is always helps because when something is going down in their lives, you know, either they're going to discuss it themselves or just not address it at all. And I feel like the best, the best thing to go with is their own word, as opposed to going with these news sites who claim that they have sources, you know, but in actuality, they don't, you know, know everything that's going on. And it's okay to speculate, but at at the same time, don't take some lies and run with it and write an article just for the sake of getting clicks or just for the sake of attention. It's kind of exhausting to a certain degree. And also talking about, you know, rumors and stuff, someone, a very reputable source, um, or at least someone who, who I used to consider to be a reputable source before I even got into the wrestling podcasting game was what culture. And even this week, they wrote an article talking about how NXT just needs to be, you know, eliminated completely off of television simply because AEW is beating them in ratings. And I really don't like talking about ratings, which is why you've never truly heard me address it on this show until maybe the last episode, I think. But it's just it's just irritating how the how the wrestling news media will literally become like a woe is me type of thing or not not even just a woe is me type of thing, but just like oh, well, this isn't working clearly because of the numbers. So they just need to quit and just be pessimistic like that. And it's so sad that we've gotten so caught up in this Wednesday night war and trying to relive the the supposed glory days of the 90s that we literally forget that this is 2020 and wrestling is totally different from what it was back then. Like during the 90s, you had a lot of... Um, wrestling was more so main was more mainstream than it is now and it's just and yeah people were focused on a lot of the ratings back then because it was hot and it was back and forth and it was on a monday you had wcw and you had um wwf going back and forth on the same night or whatever and that was cool for when it was you know as far as i can you know recall and remember in terms of history because i was a child then but at the same point in rate it takes the enjoyment out of it for me because I just want to watch wrestling because it's something that I love and not because, you know, I'm looking to see which one's going to compete with the other and all of the above. Like, I want to watch what fits in my taste range and what makes me happy ultimately. And it just seems like the culture of the wrestling media has a tendency to sort of give off the impression that if you're not winning this week or if you're doing something that's boring then you should just hang it up and just give up completely and just let this other organization at this point AEW that's new and fresh just take over and that's just not something that they need to do because NXT is a lot more than just a third brand it's a developmental brand you know that gives great quality wrestling and gives us great quality shows and they actually helped to build up the careers of people in the future who could help run, who basically helped run the first two brands. And you can't just ask them to just get rid of something like that. And the fact that what culture would be willing to write an article of that nature just kind of sucks. Like, why would you do that? So I posted it on my Instagram page and basically said that this is living proof that what culture belongs to the streets. And that's just how I feel. They belong to the streets now. Um, and any, and also I feel like any wrestling, former wrestling media that would be willing to sort of run somebody else down just because they're not doing what you want to do or they're, or 
or for some other reason you just feel like they're losing and you'll just run them down in the ground as opposed to talking about the things that you you know enjoy then just I mean they belong to the streets so anyway <laughs> also in the news and gossip is you have NXT um, possibly moving to Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays due to ratings and here again with the whole ratings thing I don't necessarily feel like NXT needs to move um, to Tuesdays because as much as I enjoyed them being on Tuesdays for me I kind of like to have a space of time between the times I watch wrestling where there's Monday and then you have Tuesday where you can breathe and then Wednesday is wrestling time then you can breathe on Thursday and then go back into it on Friday but I mean if they choose to go on Tuesday I won't be mad about it but at the same time I would prefer that chill day on Tuesday to work on other things and not really focus so much on wrestling at that point um also in the news we had wade barrett officially signing a one-year contract with wwe as an nxt broadcaster as you know they need someone to sort of fill that space that mara ranallo left when him and wwe decided to amicably part ways which makes me sad because i miss him and his energy and all of his pop culture references and all his references to wrestling because he was like an encyclopedia but we have wade barrett and according to justin brosco of sports illustrated barrett said that the new contract is just a one-year agreement but features an option to extend the partnership if he wants to and if you do or may or may not know wade barrett was a part of the nexus and the core and he also had a gimmick in which he would be like some character who would show up on a podium and say i'm afraid i've got some bad news and he was bad news barrett and he spent 10 years with WWE as a wrestler and he won the Intercontinental Championship in 2012. So this is going to be cool to see from him. It's like it takes some getting used to with hearing him at the table with Vic Joseph and Beth Phoenix. But I think I can get used to it. But I think I just really miss Mara Ronaldo at this stage. So that's where we are. Um, and now we're going to go to our weekly recap. Okay, so in this weekly recap, we're going to go over Raw first. A lot happened with this Raw because they were billing it as Raw in your face. And <laughs> I thought that was kind of extreme considering it kind of felt like a regular episode of Raw. It didn't necessarily feel as special as they were, I guess, trying to make it out to be. But it was still a good episode nonetheless. Um, so we're going to start with the women like we always do. Um, we had the Raw Women's Championship match between Asuka and Mickey James, the OG. Um, they showed a video package of Mickey James's career and how many titles she's won, even though they didn't show her winning the Divas title, but I guess we won't really go into that. They were just listing her as a six-time women's champion. And she said in an interview with Sarah Schreiber that she was really, you know, excited to wrestle in this match against Asuka but she was she kept reiterating the fact that it might be her last time going for the Raw Women's title and it gave off and to me as I was watching it I was just thinking like bro is she retiring like what's going on why does she keep saying you know this might be her last opportunity because she just came back and I'm just sitting here like is she okay like I was just freaking out at what she was saying so the match started and 
Asuka did not come to play with her. You know, she started, you know, kicking her in the face relatively early. But then Mickey started, you know, closing, tried to, trying to close in on a victory with a number of kicks on her own. And then the match kind of started with them trying to take each other down with lots of arm drags and arm locks and stuff. But then there was a back elbow that Asuka had given to Mickey James. And then she was left dazed and she never really found her footing back into the match. But then Asuka put her in the Asuka lock. But then she didn't really tap out because there was some confusion when she had turned around um trying to maneuver her way out of the lock and then somehow or another the referee got the got the inclination that maybe Mickey couldn't continue and then he rang the bell and Michael Cole kept saying over and over again did she tap did she tap and you know Mickey was sort of looking confused like you know I don't know what's going on um we really didn't know what was going on either but they declared Oscar the winner even still um so and then on instagram mickey tweeted well she she also tweeted and post posted on instagram not like this with her face looking dazed and confused in the match and i guess we were all just sort of like what the f is going on um but then after the match ended and oscar was declared the winner and she retained her raw women's championship something amazing happened which is um which was something i have been predicting for like the past couple of months um Zelina Vega came out and she got in Oscar's face and basically said, you know, you've been so focused on fighting, you know, this fighting all these other stars who have been here all this time that you're not focused on the talent of the future, that you're not focused on me. And she was saying how ready she was for Oscar and how she was ready to go for the title. And I was happy. Like, I was so happy because earlier in the night, she had gotten in Angel Garza's face and basically told him that, you know, he couldn't focus on anything else besides flirting with women because he was flirting with Lana or whatever. And she and then basically she was trying to keep Andrade from, you know, fighting him. And she was in the middle of them fighting all over again, like she had been over the past couple of weeks. And she was just like, stop, like, I can't do this anymore. And she walked away from them and left Angel and Andrade to fight backstage. And when she said, I can't do this anymore, I was just like, is it finally happening? Like, is she going to go solo? Like, is this going to be a thing? And when she came out there and got in Oscar's face and slapped her after she said what she said, she even called Oscar an ingrate. I was so into it. Like, I was eating it up like a bowl of Cheerios. Like, it was so good. I was just like, I'm so proud of Zelina because even if she may not win this match at Clash of Champions, you know, against Asuka. You know, I'm hoping that she'll be able to actually hold her own during the match as well because Asuka is a wrecking ball of epic proportions. But I do believe that Zelina Vega can hold her own against her because a lot of people tend to forget that Zelina Vega, before she was like a manager, she was a full on wrestler. Like this woman has wrestled all over the world. She's wrestled for TNA. Like she's wrestled everywhere. And I really, and ever since she came to WWE, when she was when she was introduced as Andrade's manager, she would always, you know, do these things to get into the into Andrade's opponent's heads, like hitting them with a hurricanrana outside of the ring or whatever, or trying to jump on them and distract them somehow. And the more I saw that, the more I started becoming convinced that she could have, you know, a solo run as a star on her own. But they, you know, but so much of her manager work was so good that they were just milking that for all it was worth. 
And I get that because she's a great manager, but oh my God, she could be even, she could be an even greater solo star on her own. And I am so excited for her and I'm just really pumped for her. And maybe I'm just a little bit biased because she did follow, follow the podcast page on Instagram. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Actually, no, it's not because of that. I loved her before then, but it's just the fact (laughs) that she is actually going solo because I could, I, I was, you know, I had been pushing for it for a number of years and to finally see it come to fruition just made me very, very happy. So we have Asuka versus Zelina Vega at Clash of Champions, and that's going to be lit. Also with the women, you had a tag team match between Lana and Natalia and the Riot Squad. Now, over the past couple of weeks, you've had the Riot Squad sort of, you know, building up their momentum to face Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax for the women's tag team titles at Clash of Champions. And they were basically, you know, fighting fighting Lana and Natalia who are basically, you know, trying to gain more relevancy on social media or whatever and trying to be all popular like the popular girls in high school. So they were fighting them and it was almost like Natalia never really got, got, you know, to have her place in the match because it was all about Lana trying to, you know, put forth her effort in the match, but it just didn't really connect for real. And I guess it's because really Lana just isn't that much of a wrestler as in as so much as a manager, but you know, however, whatever, they're going to still make her a wrestler. So we're just going to go with it. Um, Liv Morgan actually did something really impressive. She hit a code breaker on Lana and then Ruby riot hit a riot kick on her, on her for the win. And I thought it was cool to see, you know, Liv and Ruby's continuity, you know, as a tag team and to see that they mesh well together, you know, by themselves and for them to be able to prove that they are just as good, you know, to go for the women's tag team titles at Clash of Champions. But then afterward, of course, you know, you had Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax on commentary, you know, during this match. And then after the Riot Squad left, they proceeded to beat up on Lana and Natalia, you know, so much so to the point to where Nia Jax actually hit Lana with a Samoan drop onto the commentary table. Like they broke the whole thing. So this is going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not excited about that component, but I am excited at the same time. Um, so on to the men. Raw started with Drew McIntyre challenging Randy Orton to an ambulance match. And um, also not not only with him, also the show also began with Michael Cole being on commentary with Byron Saxton and Dolph Ziggler was joining in commentary and he was there until he decided to go and participate in Raw Underground, which we'll get into into a little while. And, and basically Drew McIntyre told, you know, us that he wasn't fully cleared to compete due to his, you know, fractured jaw. Um, and he refused to heal up and forfeit the WWE championship, which I understand he's a proud man. He's not going to give that up, you know, just willy nilly. And he said that he would risk his health in order to stay champion. And he challenged Orton to the ambulance match at Clash of Champions. Then Adam Pierce, Mr. I'm a WWE official without being obnoxious about it, came out and announced that if that since Randy Orton was not healthy enough to appear on the show um, that night, 
um, he might not make it back to Clash of Champions. So he basically said that if Randy didn't compete at Clash of Champions and if Keith Lee beat Drew later on that night, then he would be the one facing Drew McIntyre for the um, WWE Championship. And I thought this was cool because Keith Lee just got there. And he's already making waves in such a manner that he could very well be in line for the biggest for one of the biggest titles in the company. And I think that truly says something, you know, I'm really proud of him. And he actually came out, you know, and had an encounter with Drew McIntyre. But it wasn't the first encounter that they would have that night. But he came out, you know, and shook his hand, you know, as a friend. But then, you know, sort of did it in a forceful manner to let him know, like, look, I love you. You're my buddy, but we're we're about to get into it. Also, I appreciated him coming out in his Black Lives Matter jacket, too. That was cool. So then we had the Champions versus Champions match, which with the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits, and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I thought this match was really good because you were able to see the different styles that they all had. And even with Montez being a high flyer, you could see Cesaro using using that to his advantage by hitting him with hard strikes. There was this one, po- there was this one component of the match, like this one spot where... Um, he made he basically hoisted Montez Ford up in the air and Montez sold it so well you know with how high he was flying and then he hit an uppercut on him and it looked so devastating like it was really cool like and then there was another moment where Shinsuke and Cesaro caught Montez as he was trying to give them a splash outside of the ring and he crashed him into the barricade like it was just really interesting how they were able to sort of isolate the street profits like they were able they showed some of their best work here um, but, um, Montez and Angelo were not going to go down without a fight. Um, Nakamura got injured on the outside somehow, but then Dawkins connected with a cash out splash on Cesaro for the victory. Now, this was something that I wasn't really expecting for real, because when you have, you know, you have these, I don't want to call them OGs, but I'll call them, you know, sort of veterans in terms of Cesaro and Shinsuke. You thought that they would sort of bring a little bit more of their endgame, just a little bit more. But as it turns out, you know, the Street Profits showed that they could very well hang with these two. And I was really proud of them, you know, for winning on their show um, for Raw. So that was really cool. So who knows, maybe if they're still, if if Shinsuke and Cesaro are still SmackDown Tag Champions, and maybe if the Street Profits still are champions on Raw, maybe we'll see them have a rematch at Survivor Series. But Survivor Series isn't until November, and we're still in September. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Then we had Cedric Alexander with the Hurt Business versus Ricochet with Apollo Crews. And... Since Cedric's a bad boy now, <laughs> he explained that he joined the Hurt Business because he wanted to have protection as opposed to getting beat down every week by them all the time. But then Ricochet and Apollo Cruz Cruz came out and dissed Cedric and called him and basically said, you know, you are a brother and you betrayed us and you were and they basically called him weak willed and he will regret his decision down the line because they were probably just using him. And during this segment, you know, the her business was just healing it up a whole lot and then as Sheldon Benjamin was trying to throw shade at Apollo Crews uh, and him losing his United States title 
Um, Bobby Lashley actually kissed the title like right in the camera and you can hear a loud smack like Mwah. and it was just like wow like they're really rubbing this in Apollo's face right now it was bad and Cedric seemed like he was really angry about having to take beatings for Apollo Crews you know while he was U.S. champion so there's just a lot of bitterness all around so Ricochet and Alexander started their match and there was a fight between Apollo Crews and the other members of the Hurt Business. And then Eric from the Viking Raiders attacked Bobby Lashley and they fought in the back. And it was so sad that Ricochet was so distracted, you know, with everything that was going on with MVP and Shelton at ringside, that Alexander was actually able to hit Ricochet with the lumbar check for the victory. And when I tell you, Ricochet sold the mess out of that lumbar check, it was so good. Like, you just can't go wrong with two cruiserweight, you know, dudes like these two. Like, you couldn't go wrong. The match was just really good between them both. Um... A part of me feels like Ricochet could probably, if there is any other person who would join the Hurt Business, I feel like Ricochet would be a nice addition to it. Because outside of him being the sweet, happy-go-lucky dude who can do all the flips and stuff, there's really nothing else he has to offer. So he would probably stand to make a star-making move by joining the Hurt Business, you know, if he had thought about it. But I don't know how they're going to, you know, figure that out. So after that match ended, the lights went out. And then Retribution came out. And <sighs> I love Retribution. And I love, you know, what they give. But I'm ready to figure out who they are. But I feel awkward about it because this time when I was watching it, I was able to kind of see their eyes. And during this promo, they actually gave off the impression that they were within the company and how they were promised you know fortune and fame for following their dreams or whatever so they've given off the impression that they are from nxt so we do know that much but i'm also not gonna sit here and pretend that i don't recognize the eyes of dominic dijakovic or the eyes of mercedes martinez or the eyes of mia yim um <laughs> i don't want to be that person but i'm just too much of a smarty fan sometimes when i'm watching tv like i'm one of those people who watches tv too hard so <laughs> <laughs> oh man but i'm pretty sure once they do reveal themselves it'll be good but um there is something that i do want to mention about raw underground and retribution but i think i'll just wait till a little bit later to mention it so after retribution left um the hurt business decided to tell adam pierce that they would take care of retribution you know for a price you know they kind of come off as a black mafia and i appreciate it so much like after their matches are over they put on their suits and everything and they be like yeah look at us we're the hurt business and you know we'll handle this for you for a fee or whatever if you pay us like they're just on some thug stuff and it's just so cool to see you know the hurt business you know intermingle themselves throughout the entire episode because even at a certain point when Dolph Ziggler left, you know, MVP actually went on commentary and he was still, you know, insinuating his opinions about everything, even when all of the Hurt Business was an actor. And I'm just like, the Hurt Business is making all this, all these moves and I'm really happy about it. Um, also, you had, speaking more of the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley and Eric had a match. Um, and this match was relatively... I guess quick because you had Bobby Lashley, you know, you know, 
just destroying Eric, even though Eric kept trying, you know, his level best. But it's just Bobby Lashley was just a better dude. And he made Eric tap out to the hurt lock. So Eric did not win. Um, so who knows what's going to come out of that? Then you had the steel cage match between Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio. Last week, of course, Dominic was able to beat Murphy in a street fight with his entire family beating Murphy with kendo sticks. And earlier in the night, you had Seth Rollins sort of telling Murphy that he that, you know, he wanted him to, to sort of just stay in the back. But he was forcefully telling him to stay in the back because he was smacking him in the face and grabbed his jaw and said, you just need to do what I say and stay in the back and raw. And it was so sad because I'm sitting here like Murphy is trying to get back in your good graces and you're being this abusive butthole to him. And it is not right. Um, then the match happened and Murphy came out there anyway during the match, you know, trying to pass him weapons like, like the kendo stick to try to, you know, beat him up. But then Dominic wound up stealing it and beating up Rollins with it. But then it was every time Dominic tried to escape the cage, um, Murphy would try to attack him or Seth Rollins would try to attack him to keep him from going out. Um, and during this one point, there was a sense of miscommunication out here because as Seth was trying, you know, to, to take advantage of Dominic Murphy actually hit, um, Murphy actually hit Seth Rollins with the cage door thinking he was Ray or thinking he was Dominic. And I was like, Oh, so you're messing up again. So as he's continuing to mess up, you know, Murphy is still, you know, trying to stop Dominic from escaping. But then um, Dominic hit a frog splash on Seth Rollins. But then um, he ran into like a pair of curb stomps and Dominic wound up losing the match. But then Rollins, of course, was taunting the Mysterios because, you know, Ray's wife, Angie and Dominic's sister, Aaliyah, was out there. He was saying, you know, I hope. You know, I hope that she turns out better than your son or whatever. And then he left after he had attacked Murphy outside, you know, as he was it's like he kissed Murphy on the forehead and then proceeded to run him into the barricade and attack him more. And then as Murphy was laying there, um, Angie and Ray were all in the ring trying to trying to check on him. But then there was this one little nugget where Aaliyah was checking on Murphy and then she touched him as if you know to show him some mercy and then she went ahead in the ring and um to check on Dominic as well and a lot of people online were saying oh well this might be a love story it might not be a love story you can show mercy to you can be a woman and show mercy to a man in pain without some romance being tied to it just like you can be best friends with a guy and not have any romance tied to it. Like literally, guys, it's okay. It does it doesn't have to be a romance. Everything doesn't have to be a romance. Now, I'm a romantic person myself, but at the same time, I didn't read romance into that. When I saw that, I was just like, well, she's just showing him mercy because she's a nice person. So yeah. I'm low-key a little bit tired of the saga with the Mysterios and Seth Rollins. And now I'm more interested to see how Murphy is going to, you know, assert himself um, after all of the attacks that Seth Rollins has done on him when all he's ever tried to do is help him. I'm more concerned about that now. Also, you have Braun Strowman dominating Raw Underground. 
Dolph Ziggler left commentary, like I mentioned earlier, you know, so he could go to Raw Underground because he's been, you know, popping up there a whole lot over the past couple of weeks. He dominated one dude and then he got into a fight with Riddick Moss, but then Braun Strowman interfered and then he took over and basically beat the crap out of Riddick Moss, even though Riddick Moss was cussing at him and saying, yeah, I'll beat you up and da 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 Well, he didn't. And then Titus O'Neil stepped into the ring with him, but then he took him down a little bit, but then Strowman got back to his feet and knocked out Titus O'Neil. And it's always good to see him fight. But then Ziggler and Riddick Moss kept attacking Strowman until he laid them both out with running power slams. But then Daba Kato stepped up to Braun Strowman. And Daba Kato at this point is undefeated in Raw Underground. But then Shane McMahon broke them up and said, yo, we're going to leave this for next week. Like, let, let's let's save this for next week. And so basically, you know, this Monday we're going to get that um, fight in Raw Underground. And... Something that my boyfriend has brought to my attention is just the fact that if you've, if anyone has ever seen the movie Fight Club, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but in watching the movie Fight Club with Edward Norton, it was almost like you, there's a connection because if there was Fight Club, it's like you had all these people, you know, in this Fight Club fighting each other, you know, in this underground, you know, fighting thing, just like on Raw Underground. But then you also had these dudes who were participating in Fight Club, you know, dressing up, you know, in these darker clothes and attacking and doing, attacking and tearing up things that were a part of some, you know, system. They were kind of like anarchists in a way, just tearing up things and destroying things, saying that we're going to destroy the system as a whole and we're not going to become slaves to all this other stuff. And I really, and I think something that was brought to my attention with my boyfriend was just the fact that as we've watched that movie together he felt like the raw underground and the retribution thing might be more connected than we think it is and that maybe shame McMahon might have something to do with it and it's pretty interesting you know how my boyfriend was able to make that connection with fight club and with um raw underground and retribution but we'll see if the two are connected and then if not then everything will be okay and it'll be normal and they're just two different segments but then if they are it would still make for very intriguing television so we'll see then we had alistair black versus kevin owens um alistair ambushed kevin owens from behind um before the bell and then he was able he continued the assault and it was just kind of like a one-sided thing and also Alistair Black is wearing pants now which I really wasn't expecting but hey here we are um wardrobe change um Kevin Owens barely you know was able to get in any type of offense and he was struggling to his feet after Alistair Black hit him with a knee bar like Alistair was just hitting him with a whole lot of submission maneuvers and trying to break his knee and stuff there was a point in which it almost looked like Kevin Owens was getting ready to like tap out but he didn't and he wound up you know grabbing the bottom rope which is a signifier for you know you have to let go of this submission or else I will disqualify you to the referee um and then Kevin Owens hit a super kick and then the lights flickered here again with retribution distracting people and it distracted Aleister Black and then Kevin Owens hit the stunner and then get and he won the match with a one two three um I'm hoping that they get another chance to fight because this match wasn't that long 
but from for what it was worth it was still pretty good i just want more from them because i know they can bring a whole lot more to the um equation and then the, and then raw ended with drew mcintyre versus keith lee and keith promised that he would do whatever he needed to do to get the championship even if it meant you know hurting his friend and drew didn't take too kindly to that and he insinuated that maybe keith would have lost to randy orton before he got involved like stating that keith lee needed him you know to win that match and keith really didn't appreciate that so they got to fighting backstage early and then adam pierce you know broke them up and told them to wait until the main event of the night and then once the once the fight started you know in the ring they just kept fighting each other and it was just and they were hitting each other with everything that they had keith lee ducked a claymore mcintyre jumped out of a spirit bomb it was a whole lot going on guys and then they collided into each other with crossbodies but then the match really didn't end because you had retribution insinuating themselves and they attacked drew and keith and then commentary went silent you know as they took the ring because retribution doesn't care they will beat you up regardless to who you are if you're a ring announcer they'll beat you up if you're commentary they'll beat you up if you're a camera dude they'll beat you up so they ran away and skedaddled and then what was so funny is as commentary skedaddled um and mvp was on commentary he ran away but then wound up coming back with the hurt business in order to enforce retribution so they came out there in their suits and everything and didn't back down from retribution at all but then they wound up getting beat up or whatever until drew mcintyre and keith lee you know recovered and then hit like a backflip over the top rope onto everybody and that's how raw ended so this episode of raw was pretty good and even though they were claiming for it to be in your face and all this other extra stuff it was just a regular episode of raw but it was still a pretty good episode so now we're gonna recap nxt Right, so now we're gonna recap NXT. NXT actually started with the women's match. It started with a non-title match between Shotzi Blackheart, the green-haired warrior, um, versus the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. And something interesting that I found out this week was something that Shotzi always yells out. I always thought she was saying "Welcome to the bull pit," but she actually was always saying "Welcome to the um to the ball pin," and I was just like really <laughs> all this time i thought she was saying the first one and then she was actually saying the second one oops my bad i can't hear um <laughs> this match was amazing though um she there was just so much going on um at the beginning there were lots of near falls counters and reversals that dominated the match in the very beginning and commentary kept talking about the fearlessness that Shotzi was um leaning into for this match against Io Shirai and then there was a little bit of point where it felt like um 
Wade Barrett was throwing kind of a little bit of shade at Shotzi. And I was just like, I'm going to need for you to not throw shade at Shotzi just because you didn't necessarily like her uh, upon your initial meeting and just do the match, yo. But um, he wound up turning it around because, you know, throughout the match, I guess there was just a journey of Shotzi sort of proving that she could actually, you know, go toe to toe with someone like Io Shirai, who is a veteran in terms of Japanese wrestling. And now she's here in WWE. So... Shirai had hit Shotzi, you know, with a moonsault plancha at first, but then she kept dominating, you know, throughout the commercial break, but then Blackheart fired back with a shotgun drop kick, and they exchanged strikes all over until Shirai applied a cross face, and Blackheart fought out and then scored a near fall. Then Io Shirai delivered a 619 and then followed with a missile drop kick, but just couldn't put Shotzi away. Shotzi just wasn't giving up. And then they fought into the ring apron where Io delivered a German suplex onto Shotzi Blackheart. And then she put her back in the ring and delivered a moonsault for the win. And after the match, they showed a sign of respect towards each other, you know, as, you know, Shotzi bowed to her, which is, um something that they do in Japanese culture when you have respect and want to show sportsmanship they um bow to one another or at least one opponent bows to the other and it was really good so at this stage Shotzi was able to prove that she could go you know back toe-to-toe with Io Shirai and then maybe in the future she'll have a title opportunity and actually as it turns out later on that night they announced that next Wednesday there was going to be a battle royal I believe to to um qualify to be the number one contender for the nxt women's title so that's going to be really good so i'm interested in it also with the women you had sort of a back and forth you know with promos against tegan knox and candace LeRae. you know after their little fight that they had in candace LeRae's house when they were eating dinner um they were basically just throwing shade at each other and also in a fun fact wednesday was also the anniversary of johnny gargano and candace LeRae. so congratulations to them and their um happy marriage and they were you know alluding to that while also talking about how they were just going to always continue to seek out gold or whatever and in Tegan Knox's case she was tired of being sort of poo-pooed off by Candice LeRae and her other opponents and she vowed that she was going to win the, the battle royal next week and also she had a Captain Marvel desk chair which I really want and I actually looked up and found out it was sold out and out of stock and I'm just like how dare you I love Captain Marvel guys so if you ever find a Captain Marvel chair or something like that or just, or anything Captain Marvel related, just send it to me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, also with the women, you had a tag team match between Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro, Team Casey versus Jesse Kamea and Zia Lee. And this was kind of Jesse Kamea's sort of first outing. This is really our fir- really our first time being exposed to her on television um in this tag team match and Zia Lee is the first Chinese um female superstar um in WWE so they were able to team together against team KC and they basically battled each other to sort of build momentum to prove themselves worthy of a women's tag team championship opportunity because when you are the women's tag team champions you can defend it across all brands and that includes NXT as well so Kamea and Zaya, you know, isolated and worked over Casey um, throughout the heart of the match. And then and then there was this really great point in which Caden Carter was able to tag to get tagged in. And 
they were able to show more of their continuity as a tag team together and they moved so smoothly with each other that it was just like really cool you can tell they've been improving and practicing with one another and Catanzaro pulled off a pulled off a jaw-dropping roll-up for the win and it was just really cool to see Team KC sort of win with that but then after the match they tried to show respect to Zia Lee and Jessica Maya but Zia Lee you know ran out of the ring you know well stormed out of the ring really you know and I guess now she's going to turn heel because she's sick of losing now and that's going to be interesting to see you know what's going to happen there so she stormed out left Jesse and team Casey there and there's a lot to unpack but you know I guess we'll just do that later <laughs> so that's it with the women so with the men the first men's match that we saw was Desmond Troy, um, another new guy, versus Tommaso Ciampa, who's a former NXT champion in his own right. And Ciampa basically destroyed Desmond Troy. Um, he hit him with a double forearm and then a clothesline in the corner. And he punished Troy and basically finished him with the widow's bell. And then afterward, he afterward, um, Tommaso threatened a steel chair attack on his opponent until Jake Atlas appeared, you know, and distracted him with it. And he challenged Tommaso Ciampa to a match um, because Ciampa basically beat him up at some point. And then, um, yeah, so now we have this. This is a feud that I wasn't expecting at all. Jake Atlas, you know, kind of debuted during the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament um, earlier this year. And he did a phenomenal job, and I really just wasn't expecting him to get into a high-profile feud with a former NXT champion. But we'll see how this goes. Um, it seems like Tommaso Ciampa is, is seeking to be very ruthless with this guy now, so who knows what's going to happen there. Then we had a match with Kushida versus Austin Theory. And Kushida has been acting a whole lot more aggressive lately, you know. He sort of dropped his whole time traveler gimp happy peppy gimmick and now he's just getting really buck with people and he beat up austin theory like he just beat him up um <laughs> austin you know came out there you know and requested a microphone but before you know he got beat up he was talking about he's a future first ballot hall of famer and he issued an open challenge but then of course kushida came out there you know with no interest music and he basically dropped austin theory with a jumping insecurity and Theory, you know, tried to get up and fight back with a suplex followed by a backbreaker. But Kushida fought back, you know, and just punished him a whole lot more. And Austin had his arms trapped. Um, and so Kushida just stomped away at his chest or whatever. And it was just kind of hard to look at because Kushida's kicks and stomps are very, you know, focused and kind of just piercing he was just ah and it was just hard um and then he um applied the hoverboard lock and he secured the submission austin theory tapped out and then that was it so kushida beat austin theory and he basically just made quick work of him so with this new persona here's hoping that kushida just gives more opportunity to show himself you know improve himself um as an edgy star then Finn Balor, um, before this match even happened, Finn Balor, the new NXT champion, you know, gave a warning to the locker room and said, you know, you need to look both ways before you cross the prince. And I thought that was one of the coolest lines delivered in all of wrestling this week. Look both ways before you cross the prince. Yeah. 
Like, that just sounds like something you need to say to somebody before they mess with you. Um, then we had an NXT Tag Team Championship match between Brizongo and Imperium with Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. And basically Imperium was trying to make Brizango the shortest reigning NXT Tag Team Champions of all time. And they were eager to punish them like a whole lot. And it was just, huh, they were just really angry. So they rushed to the ring to beat them up before Tyler Breeze and Fandango was able to really make their entrances. So they worked over Fandango. They were trying to keep him from tagging his partner in. Eichner was giving, gave a huge lariat clothesline that flattened um, Fandango. And then it allowed them to maintain their control. It was just, and then there was a discus clothesline that finally allowed Fandango to create separation and make a tag to Breeze. And Tyler Breeze exploded into the match. You know, he was clearing the ring of Bartell. He delivered a super kick to Eichner. It was just a lot of cool action going on. And eventually, you know, at this point, as the match is going on and as German suplexes are applied and all and all the super kicks happen, Breeze re-entered the ring and put Eichner away for um for the win. And Breezango are still your NXT tag team champions. Woo! So nobody knows who else is next to sort of, you know, challenge Breezango at this point, but whoever does it, it'll still be, you know, a good feud. I hope it's not Undisputed Era though, because they've been coming at them over and over again and I'm just like I'm tired of y'all um <laughs> so now and then we had Drake Drake Maverick and Killian Dane versus Roger Strong and Bobby Fish um I wasn't expecting Drake Maverick and Killian Dane to work as a tag team and they almost basically didn't because as Drake Maverick was going out you know to fight them it was like Killian Dane was just watching him get beat up and it was so sad and then it was to the point to where the general manager of NXT, William Regal, you know, talked some sense into Killian Dane and told him, look, you need to go out there and help him because he's getting beat up and it's unacceptable for you to be sitting back here just watching it happen. So Killian hit the ring and um, rolled Maverick inside because he had gotten beaten up outside. And um, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish kept taunting him and it led him to unload on them and then Fish then Bobby Fish tried to use the chair to draw a disqualification um, from to draw a disqualification and, you know, sort of cause Maverick and Dane to win the match. Um, and then Drake Maverick pulled the chair out of his hands and then they stood side by side as the Undisputed Era left. And then Drake Maverick shoved Killian Dane, but then Killian Dane hit him with a right hand to close that out. And it's just... I just don't know what to make of this. So we're just going to move on. Um, <laughs> then the main event was Damian Priest, who's our NXT North American champion versus Timothy Thatcher. And this match was really good because you sort of had a mixture of the powers. Um, you had Damian Priest and his, you know, power, you know, wrestling. And then you had T Timothy Thatcher, who's just kind of like a technical wrestler. And he's really no nonsense about it. So... This was a pretty good match going into it. Um, Thatcher grounded um, Damian Priest, you know, and then there was a commercial break and then he controlled the action throughout. Um, Damian fought back and turned and gave a wicked clothesline to him. Then he hit a falcon arrow to a near fall. And then Priest like hit several kicks, but then missed a springboard senton. And then Timothy Thatcher followed up with an arm bar, but then champion fought out of it. 
and Thatcher tried to also apply a single leg crab using that technical work, but Priest fought out of it, but then there was another arm bar, but then Damien Priest delivered, delivered South of Heaven, and after that point, Thatcher was still kicking out of things, but then Damien Priest hit him with the reckoning for the hard-fought victory, which basically proves that Damian Priest is here to stay as the NXT North American champion, and that he's just not going to get beat up and ran all over by some dude who's just claiming to be better than him over and over again. So Damian Priest, you know, had a good showing here, which makes me happy because I always felt like he was capable of big things. So to see him sort of main event in NXT and actually retain his title was really good. And then they announced the NXT TakeOver is going to be happening on October 4th on the WWE Network. So it's always good to be excited about those because those always give the best wrestling shows ever. Like, it's like whenever a TakeOver happens, you know, either during a big four weekend or even during, you know, just a regular weekend, you can expect NXT TakeOver to steal the show every time. So I'm going to be really excited about that. And now we're going to recap SmackDown. Okay, so now we're going to go into our last recap of SmackDown. Um, With the women, it was a lot of intriguing stuff going on on SmackDown last night with the girls. Um, You had a moment of bliss that Alexa Bliss had with her best friend Nikki Cross. So they were able to sort of talk and be on good graces even though nikki even though nikki got attacked by alexa bliss with the sister abigail last week in that fatal four-way to qualify to be number one contender for the smackdown women's title held by bailey at this point and they really didn't go into the interview mentioning it like um so they hugged each other and they were still you know friends or whatever and then um alexa talked about how many times nikki had lost to bailey within the past you know a couple of months and then she asked how she planned to change her game plan heading into the match at clash of champions and nikki cross made a very astute observation and said that the only reason why bailey kept winning was because sasha banks was out there to help her win which is true and she said that now that bailey has severed her ties with sasha banks she'll have to fight on her own and she won't win without her um, which also sort of calls back to how Bailey last week said that Sasha was useless, but yet every time you looked up, Sasha was always helping Bailey retain her titles. So, huh. Then Nikki asked Alexa, you know, why she hit her with Sister Abigail and left the match. And then Alexa was saying that she didn't know how to explain herself because she because she doesn't understand. So as she was g- getting ready to sort of talk more about her being sort of possessed you know to a certain degree by the fiend's influence Lacey Evans came out there and because you know I guess WWE is treating her like more cowbell like we really want more of her but we really kind of don't but whatever um Lacey came out there and mocked both of them relentlessly and called them nasties and whatever and then Nikki Cross grabbed her handkerchief and then blew her nose in it and threw it right back at her and then they fought each other in a, in a brawl before the match officially took place and then they had a physical back and forth you know with each other that saw Evans get a lot of offense in which kind of sucks because She's not the one who's going up against Bayley at Clash of Champions, but yet you're making her look so strong. And I'm just like, why? Um, But then eventually Nikki was able to take advantage of her and hit her with um, her 
on the ropes DDT that she likes to do and then she won the match then after she won the match um she somehow another got tossed out you know while and then Alexa Bliss was on commentary throughout the match and she was just throwing mad shade at Lacey but then Corey Graves kept mentioning the fact that um a couple years ago when Alexa Bliss was basically a heel slash bad guy wrestler she was acting a whole lot like Lacey Evans and which was kind of like a stereotypical you know know-it-all privileged character and you know Alexa was saying you know well, that's not me now or whatever and then after the match was over Lacey Evans came out and insulted you know um Alexa and was all like yeah what are you gonna do you're gonna call the fiend to beat me up and then after she said the words the fiend Alexa got possessed and then she left the commentary table and hit Lacey with sister Abigail and then left the and left the ring again so she's in a trance state and who even knows you know what else is gonna happen with this whole um Alexa Bliss fiend thing and also something weird that I also noticed was the fact that Lacey Evans came out with hand sanitizer because I guess since everyone's nasties now she's really leaning into the whole idea that she has to keep herself cleansed because hand sanitizer is one of the most popular things to like buy now because of you know the Rona so <laughs> that was kind of you know interesting and then one of the highlights of the night happened with Sasha Banks she was in an interview with a neck she was in an interview with michael cole and corey graves and she had on a neck brace and she was sitting in a chair in the performance center so she wasn't in the thunderdome and they replayed the footage of bailey's attack on her and sasha said that she had heard every word that bailey said last week where bailey said she was useless and all of the above and then she said she was filled with emotions because they had planned to take over the world of wrestling together and she was talking about how as she was walking through the performance center she said if these walls could talk they would talk so much about how those girls basically helped build that place which is true um a lot of the matches that they had including the match the match that they had with each other in NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn in 2015 helped to set the precedent for the women's evolution and revolution as we know it and she was visibly emotional you know as she was talking about the other girls who were in the performance center now you know sort of making their way in wrestling because they were the ones who set the precedent for all that to happen and she began to cry and she talked about how much they did together before their breakup. But then she said that since you feel like I'm useless, I'm going to take the SmackDown Women's title from you since that's the only thing that you love. And I'm just going to take that from you. But then as she, after she said that, Bailey snuck up from behind and hit her with the chair and tried to wrap her neck in the chair like she did a couple weeks ago. And then people who were backstage, you know, stopped Bailey from attacking her, you know, a whole lot more and injuring her more as she was standing up saying, all right, I won't touch her. I won't do anything to her. And when I tell you watching Sasha Banks, you know, um, shake and cry and stuff just kind of lets me know that not only has she been working on her wrestling, she has definitely been working on her acting and she did a phenomenal job performing that like girl. Yes. Like it just felt really real. I was just like, girl, give her her Oscar now. 
like give it to her now she's already she's acting well on smackdown she's acting well on the mandalorian even though it hasn't come out yet i already know this has happened like make your money act queen act but anyway um (laughs) this was just a really good promo and i just cannot wait to finally get what i've been asking for all this time so that's pretty much all that happened with the women now with the men the show started with the dirt sheet with the miz and john morrison and excuse me y'all and they said it was their duty to keep the wwe universe informed excuse me and they planned to reveal the dirt behind several storylines happening on the blue brand um the miz claimed that he had been trying to help otis and help otis by keeping him on his toes and sending mandy rose to raw so she won't be a distraction and he implied that mandy had already been unfaithful excuse me to um to otis while she had been gone and then otis came out to basically you know tackle the miz and he took john morrison's head off with a big right hand and then tucker showed up to keep the miz and john morrison from escaping before otis can do some more damage but then backstage it seems like there's supposed to be a bigger plan by the Miz to basically you know mess with Otis and he served him with legal papers later in the show suing him for all kinds of damages and injuries and all kinds of stuff and I just don't understand the point of this I think they're just trying to do some type of elaborate way of fandangling the money in the bank briefcase slash contract away from Otis because they feel like he doesn't deserve it and I think that's stupid because Otis won that fair and square and he should be allowed to keep it regardless and not and they shouldn't just give it to someone who has the supposed look of a serious wwe superstar like if you're trying to make new stars make new stars and don't renege on it like stop it like it's just kind of ridiculous then we had a match between cesaro and grand metalik and cesaro met Cesaro met Grand Metalik with a whole lot of offense and it was just and really the main storyline was centered around Kalisto having tension with Lince Dorado and the Lucha House Party more just more so than anything else and they were arguing at ringside you know so much that the referee kicked them out which led Cesaro to hitting his finisher for the win so this match was really short and um really there was really nothing to nothing of note to discuss as these two were in a tag team or even in this match together because you sort of feel that lucha house party should be you know beefed up to face them face cesaro and shinsuke for the smackdown tag team titles but it just doesn't seem like it's gonna happen um because lucha house party is eventually gonna break up at some point you can see it so 
I really don't know what's going on with that. That was just really short and sweet and to the point. So there we go. Then we had AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn. And this is Sami Zayn's sort of first match um, since he's been back on SmackDown. And he demanded that the announcer, and Sami Zayn demanded that the announcer give him a proper introduction because he thinks he is the actual Intercontinental Championship. But like I explained in, an, in the last episode, he's not because he left and he was stripped of the title. So Jeff Hardy is the actual champion. Hardy gang, Hardy gang, but whatever. Um, AJ Styles attacked him from behind and brought him into the ring to get the match going. And he tried to end it quickly with a Styles clash, clash but then um, Sami Zayn escaped him. And then Zayn recovered and almost hit a halluva kick, but then Styles countered it with a phenomenal forearm on the floor and then we returned from the commercial break to see Zayn hit a stun gun against the top rope and then he also hit a blue thunder bomb and almost won with that but then AJ Styles kicked out and then the ref caught him trying to use a handful of tights this is Jessica by the way one of the um, female referees um he caught Sam she caught Sami Zayn trying to catch a handful of AJ Styles's tights during a pin and he and then she stopped the count allowing AJ to roll him up for the pin and then as Sammy was yelling and claiming to Jessica that he had grabbed his tights she kept saying no no he didn't no he didn't I didn't see it then Jeff Hardy came out and attacked both of them with a bunch of ladders and if it's one thing you know as a wrestling fan or if you're not a wrestling fan when it comes to Hardys and ladders you just don't mess with them with that because that's their forte um <laughs> then Zayn narrowly avoided a swanton from the top of the ladder before Jeff Hardy challenged to both of them to a triple threat match at clash of champions for the intercontinental championship and turned it into a ladder match so this is definitely going to be entertaining because when you have a hardy in a ladder match and you have two amazing wrestlers like aj styles and Sami Zayn, they're gonna you know put their all into it for this intercontinental title so it's going to be really cool at clash of champions then you had um the the show end with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, the cousins, versus Sheamus and King Corbin. And surprisingly, um, after he gave a promo and stuff and said that, you know, SmackDown was still his yard or whatever, Roman promised to beat his cousin at Clash of Champions. He actually came out first. And I guess I was under the impression that maybe he was going to come out later to win the match, you know, like he did last week. Him coming out first sort of surprised me. So he came out and they fought in this Samoan street fight. And Roman Reigns and Jay took took control right away by sending their opponents out of the ring. But then Sheamus and Corbin weren't out of the fight for long. And it didn't take long before tables, ladders, and chairs. Well, not ladders, but tables and chairs were pulled out from under the ring. And it became more about them, you know destroying one another with all of those objects and you know than everything else and then the big dog spirit Sheamus <clears throat> threw a barricade but then it was Jay Uso who won for his team by using a super fly splash on Baron Corbin and he narrowly avoided hitting Roman Reigns on the way down but something that was interesting after Jay Uso wound up winning the match was the fact that <clears throat> As Jay Uso was celebrating and was getting crunk, Roman Reigns was just sort of laying back in the cut, sort of being kind of, you know, standoffish. And then he finally did hug him towards the end. But as Jay Uso was celebrating as he was leaving, 
you could see Roman Reigns' face just change. It changed from him smiling with his family to him looking at Jey Uso like he was nothing. And this is another instance where I really credit Roman Reigns for working more on his acting because the way he was looking at him, it was almost like he was looking at him like he was just a speck of dirt on a windshield. It was so bad like he was just staring at him like he was just like a bug and I was like "Ooh!" like you could just feel it it was really bad <laughs> so it's gonna be really interesting to see these two fight each other you know as you know brothers but then also fight each other as opponents to see which one is gonna come out the universal champion and I'm pretty sure Jey Uso is gonna do a really good job proving himself worthy you know even as Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman don't think he's worthy for it but quite frankly this is also sort of whetting my appetite for one for the inevitable possible fight between Roman Reigns and The Rock like if they do that next year for Wrestlemania I will be so pumped like please do that for me WWE please answer answer me you've already answered me with Zelina Vega um going on a singles run like give me reigns versus the rock but we'll just deal with this for now and that's pretty much all that happened on smackdown so now we're just gonna go to the conclusion all right so if you made it to the end of this episode thank you so much for listening um to this 26th episode of my podcast um, if you want to continue to support the show, you can always follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. And you can follow the Facebook page at Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy because I'm trying to change the name of it, but it's not letting me somehow. So just follow that um, Facebook page if you have a mind to. If you have any wrestling questions, don't hesitate to message me either. Um just thank you so much for being supportive of me as I book as many interviews as I can as I talk to many wrestling fans as I can you know during this pandemic and stuff like I've had a random moment this week where I was just driving through downtown Birmingham and I just really miss wrestling events like I really miss you know driving through and seeing our civic center with wrestling trucks and I just really miss you know live events and stuff so here's hoping that one day we can get back to normal so we can actually do cool things with each other at some point but as we are you know trying to navigate this new normal I just thank you so much for hanging with me for this long and I hope to continue to give you great content as we move forward you know in the next couple of weeks so thank you so much for supporting the hardy wrestling podcast with your girl stephanie hardy and i hope you're having a safe weekend and i hope you're being your best selves and until next time bye y'all